Welcome to Clutch Crew Sports. I'm your lead host, Zach. And on this episode, we're going to talk all about what happened in the AFC and NFC Championship games. Now let me introduce the rest of the crew. I'm Connor, the co-host with the most, and you can lock that. And I'm Nate, I'm a big NFL, college, and fantasy football guy. All right, guys, thanks. Uh, this is the first of our new introduction series, so that's going to be how we do our, our intros now. I, I like it because it shortens it down a lot, and we also get across our main point uh, in my introduction. I kind of summarize what we're going to be talking about in this episode, so that's the first one of those. And obviously this episode, we're just going to be talking all about the past two games that we saw this weekend in the AFC and NFC Championship games. So we've got, we're going to talk about each game individually. And then after that, we're going to talk about each specific team a little bit, like a storyline or something going on with each team. And we'll discuss our thoughts about that. So we'll start here with the Packers 49ers game and I'll be honest, I like I predicted San Francisco to win the entire time. I never wavered from that or anything. But when I was on the Collier and Claire Sports Show last week, I was uh, I was thinking like this is going to be a close game. I I, I had a feeling that uh, Green Bay would keep it relevant. And then when I woke up the morning of the game, I don't know why. I don't know if you guys ever have this feeling or not. But I just woke up and I just had a feeling in my head that this is going to be a blowout game. I'll, do you guys ever get feelings like that? Like when you just wake up and have a feeling about a certain sort of game? Unless it, <laughs> I do, not, yeah. I mean, unless, unless it's my team. If it's not my team, not really. But Oh, okay. <laughs> if, it's my team, if it's my team, then yeah. I mean, like I've had times when like, you know. I think it was when the Steelers were playing the Ravens, like, you know, the final week of the season, I was thinking to myself, like, going into that, I was like, oh, okay, it'll be a close game, like, the Ravens are, like, sitting Lamar Jackson, they're sitting Mark Ingram, like, you know, we got a chance to win this, but then, like, once that, like, I woke up that morning, I was like, yeah, we're probably gonna get destroyed in this game, like, (laughs) the way we've been playing the past couple of weeks, the team just, like, can't keep it up anymore. (laughs) Yeah. So, Nate, you, do you have moments like, like I had? Um, can't think of a specific one, but I definitely like know what you're talking yeah. about. I definitely felt that before. Okay. Like what Connor said, it's usually like if um it's one of my teams or something yeah. I really like know about. Like obviously I don't get it for like a random you yeah. know, game, yeah. but I definitely <laughs> know what you're talking about. Yeah, I I I typically get it for my teams too, but since they're not playing right now and these are like the prime time games, I was they were what were on my mind. I guess subconsciously I was thinking. And it, because I made a prediction a couple days before that where I, I still thought the 49ers would win, but I thought it would be close. And maybe that was part of me just trying to not start a fight with N- Natasha. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I don't know what would have happened if I said the 49ers are going to blow them out. But uh, but, yeah, when I woke up that morning, I just I had a feeling after the first 49ers touchdown the way that they just marched the ball down the field, rushing the football, I was like, obviously at that point, you know, it's only, it's still the first quarter and it's only a one score game. Like it's obviously still a game, but I was just like, oh man, it's over. It's over. There's, it's, there's nothing they can do now. And it, it ended up being the case because San Francisco scored 27 
uh, in the first half is 27 to zero. And we're going to talk uh, more about what this means for both these teams coming up. But the way this game went, it was just like it, such a contrast of styles. Like the 49ers, they really just ran the ball every time. They knew that was their strength coming in. And Raheem Morstead, man, like he was insane. And they have a three-headed uh, monster backfield, which I think is the way to go. I, I'm i not – if you look at all these – if you look at the teams left now, I guess, and even look at the four uh, teams that were here to begin with, I think it's more beneficial when you have a back a, a backfield with a bunch of with a bunch of guys rather than one bell bell cow worker. Um, so I I noticed that was happening, and San Francisco, man, they they have such good blocking uh, on those runs. You see the everybody gets in on the blocking, wide receivers, tight ends, uh, running backs, offensive linemen, everybody's contributing when they're running the football and they can run it with anybody, not even just running backs limited to Debo Samuel was explosive in that game. Jimmy G when he made throws, which was little, he usually connected. So that was the style I saw from San Francisco green Bay style. I mean, I know when you fall behind, you got to throw the ball, but to me all season long, Aaron Rodgers was not as accurate as Aaron Rodgers has been in the past. And I guess when you fall in such a deficit, you have to throw the ball. But that that leads you into the 49ers' hands. If they can, if they don't have to worry about stopping the run. They can get after you with those pass rushers, and they've got guys in the in the secondary to cover. So it, to me, I think this game really exposed Green Bay. It showed San Francisco as being a legit team, uh, obviously very capable of winning the Super Bowl. So that, those are my takeaways from this game. Uh, some of the things I saw really stood out to me. But like I said before, I just waking up, I had a feeling that this was going to be the case. But uh, Connor, what what did you see when you saw this game? I mean, it was just the Packers defense was just full of holes. I mean, like they were yeah. like Swiss cheese out there. <laughs> I mean, how can you? I mean, basically all the 49ers had to do was turn around and hand it to Mostert. Like, how can you not stop that? I was thinking the same thing when – uh, Appalachian State had their game against Georgia Southern when, like, all they were doing was, like, turn around, hand it up mm-hmm. the middle or, like, going to the outside. It's like they're doing the same two plays, and how can you not figure out? And yet Georgia Southern ran for, like, 250 yards. So, I mean, it. I think it's – I mean, I know we'll get to this later, but it's, like, it's a feeling uh, of mine that's, like, the Packers just didn't even deserve to be here. I mean, someone, like – even the Vikings like pretty well gave the 49ers a better game than the Packers did. And they didn't even win the division, but like, you know, someone mm-hmm. like the Saints or the Vikings or, you know, the Seahawks probably could have given the 49ers a much better game yeah. than the Packers did. So, but you know, it's, and it's something that NFL teams need to take notice of. And I mean, who knows, maybe this will play right into the chiefs hands because, you know, the Titans had bulldozed their way through the playoffs on the strength of their rushing game and their uh, defense. And that's what the 49ers are doing right now. But we saw the Chiefs completely shut that down for Tennessee. So is this going to be like a similar thing in the Super Bowl? Like, who knows? But um, the 49ers just need to 
I mean, I, I hope for Jimmy G's sake that he's not getting too rusty because he's not throwing <laughs> the ball at all. Because, like, and also the fact that, you know, they're going to have two weeks off now. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, I'm going to be really interested to see how Jimmy G looks in the Super Bowl, considering that, you know, over the course of three weeks, he's only w- will have thrown eight passes in a real game. So, I mean, we'll, we'll see. I don't know, but... Obviously, very, very dangerous. I mean, I didn't see Mostert going off for 220. I thought, like, maybe Tevin Coleman would do that, but Mostert really surprised me doing that. But, you know, like you said, at least for in the Titans scenario, they only had Derrick Henry, whereas with the 49ers, they have Mostert, they have Tevin Coleman, and if he's healthy enough, they have Matt Breida, too, who's also pretty good. So, you know, who are you going to game plan for? Who's as soon mm-hmm. as you start game planning for Mostert, now they can start giving it to Tevin Coleman and playing to his strengths. So uh, it's going to be interesting to see, and it's going to be interesting to see if their uh, defense can keep up what it was doing. I mean, because Aaron Rodgers had a he had a like a semi decent game. I mean, you're not going to sneeze at 326 yards and two touchdowns, but also two interceptions is not good. I mean, and the just, fumble too. And the and that, that like, fumble was when the game was still in in uh, in their reach too, because they were right. marching down the field, and that that fumble reminded me of the the Cam Newton Super Bowl fumble to me. Right. Like that's what it looked like, but yeah. So and it's just like it's just another scenario of you know the Packers defense being you know a little overhyped, and also the fact that you know poor Aaron Rodgers, the dude just needs an offensive line. I mean, I don't think we've. <laughs> I mean, you know, the Deshaun Watson's really good and everything, but we saw what it did to him in Houston when he didn't have an offensive line. So nowadays, now Aaron Rodgers doesn't have an offensive line. I mean, it can really hurt you if you don't have one. And I think the Packers have demonstrated that. And, you know, that it was very apparent in this game. Yeah, Nate, what did you uh, what did you see watching this? Well, for me, this is like, we'll kind of get into this in a little bit, but this is what I thought the Titans and Chiefs game would look like. Um, I, I thought coming into this game, like that game that Derek County would run all over the Chiefs. You know, I thought their defense was a lot weaker than uh, they showed. Um, you know, the way they came out Sunday was a lot tougher than I thought they were going to be. And I thought that's basically what, like, I thought like, um, I kind of have them switched, I guess. Like I didn't see the, 49ers running all over the Packers like that. I I take them to win. Like they're definitely a more complete roster all around. But I thought that the strength of I thought their defense. I gave them a little more credit than I, they definitely deserved. And I thought Aaron Rodgers would be able to keep them a little bit more in the game. Mm-hmm. But yeah, that I think this 49ers rushing attack is pretty nasty uh, going into the Super Bowl. I'm still not totally sold on Kansas City's defense. It is shut down um, the Titans' offense, but I think the 49ers are a lot more versatile. Like, mm-hmm. Derrick Henry is a monster, but outside of him, like, Deion Lewis hasn't done anything since oh, yeah. <laughs> New England. They don't, I don't know if they even played any other running backs um, on Sunday, whereas the Niners have really three running backs that probably could um, – either start or at least get serious playing time anywhere else in the league right now, especially the way, um, you know, Mostert looked crazy explosive yesterday and um, all of that. So, yeah, I, I think that Green Bay definitely got really exposed. Uh, that defense got a lot of hype coming into it, and they didn't look 
um, up to the task at all. And mm-hmm. I think I think it is great that they have something to lean on to not force Jimmy G to do a whole lot. Like I think I believe in him as a quarterback, but I think obviously it's a lot better if he doesn't have to win the go go and win the game for you. They can just run the ball. That should be a big advantage versus Kansas City. Yeah. And to clarify, we are going to have a whole episode in the future dedicated before the Super Bowl starts to just talking about the Super Bowl. So, yeah, you know, we don't we don't got to make our picks or anything right now. But, yeah, it's uh, we're going to come out with that episode probably next week. Uh, So stay tuned for that. But let's get over to the other game. Titans at the Chiefs and obviously the Chiefs would win this. So when I watched this game, I really thought that the Titans made a lot of key errors in this game. And it really started at the end of the first half when the Titans were only rushing three guys against Mahomes. And you can't you can't do that. You have to get pressure on Mahomes because he's decently mobile so he can scramble out and pick up yards like he did. But also their receivers and stuff they're gonna get open event they have so many weapons down there Mahomes is an accurate passer he can throw the deep ball he he's too good to let him have enough time to work with so the fact that they were only rushing three guys was I thought you know that was where Tennessee was going to lose the game because you you have to get pressure on him and the few times that they did they caused some disruption there was that one play where they sent that blitzer in and Mahomes had to throw it right away and he wasn't on the same page with his running back. And it was the running back's fault completely on that one. But still, you got to be disruptive. you got to make the Chiefs, you know, you can't just let them get into their rhythm where they're picking you apart on offense. And as far as the Titans offensively, I feel like they got away from Derrick Henry way too early in this. Uh, they should have kept with what their strategy, what got them there, which was running the football. And Tannehill had a terrible game. I mean, the Chiefs aren't a great defense. So the fact that he didn't really do much at all, other than the very beginning of the game and the very end of the game, in that middle part, he was just not very good. And the Chiefs, once they started getting that momentum, once they got the lead... In Arrowhead, I mean, I know Eric uh, thought that this game was still in reach towards the end, but I once the Chiefs got the lead, I was feeling pretty comfortable because once their offense gets clicking like we saw in that Houston game, seven straight touchdown drives, it wasn't to that extent in this game, but they had, I think, three or four straight touchdown drives. So th- this Kansas City offense is scary, and they can do it with anybody. That Texans game, it was a lot of... Uh, Travis Kelsey this game it was a lot of Tyreek Hill and they 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 can Mahomes will throw it to anybody so that's the problem with defending this Chiefs offense and then when you look at Tennessee's lack of success on offense it's because I think Derrick Henry had so much he'd been worked so much in these last month of the season coming into the playoffs and then the first two playoff games it's hard to keep that up. I know he's a monster and everything. He's he's amazing, but it's really hard to keep that going for a longer stretch when everybody knows you're the number one offensive threat. Everybody was ready for you. So that's why you never really saw him get explosive. And also the way the Chiefs were able to combat that, you gotta get you gotta make contact with him behind the line of scrimmage. Don't let him dictate 
the runs. You gotta you gotta gang tackle him. It takes two, you know, but you gotta gang tackle him. You gotta force him. You gotta get him behind the line of scrimmage. Don't let him get moving, because once he gets to speed, he's really hard to take down. So that was the things that I noticed. Tennessee, I think they should have stuck with the run more though. Even when they were in second and longs, they should have uh, they should have given it back to Henry. I think because their offense was really not clicking. KC even their defense still scares me though because they dropped a couple of interceptions which they really should have had. So. But all in all, the Chiefs definitely deserve to win this game. I know there was some, a lot of people were saying, oh, it's rigged for the Chiefs because that clip of the guy throwing the flag right once the play started. But I think that was just an illegal formation that he saw and called the flag for. And then they saw the holding and then they called the holding. And for some reason, they didn't announce a legal formation. But it definitely was a legal formation on that play. But... This was uh this was another game that was kind of underwhelming because the Chiefs held the lead for the majority of the second half and it really I mean for the entirety of the second half and Tennessee never really made it close so that that's what I saw in this game but uh Connor what did you see when you were watching this I mean it just shows like how it's pretty impossible to game plan for this Chiefs offense I mean who are you gonna cover I mean. You know, you put a bunch of guys on Travis Kelty. Well, now Tyreek Hill's open. You start putting guys on Tyreek Hill. Now Sammy Watkins is open, as much as I hate to praise Sammy Watkins. But, I mean, he's pretty good. And then, like, Damian Williams can run the ball, too. And, I mean, it's something that a lot of people don't really think about with Mahomes. You know, they think about, you know, he's got a, this, you know, huge arm. He can make almost any throw. But people don't think about him as being a mobile quarterback most of the time. And, you know, mm-hmm. the amount of times that I saw – it was really the inability of the chiefs to get off the field because they were or the chiefs, the Titans to get off the field because, you know, they'd stop the chiefs on like, you know, first and second down, like, you know, first down the chiefs would do like a run play and they'd stop that. And then, you know, the next play, Travis Kelsey would get like, he, he like he'd drop a ball or something like that. Yeah. Like, be third down. And then they'd start, you know, they would just drop everybody back in coverage. Like mm-hmm. you mentioned, only rush three. And then, you know, after like a little bit when everybody's still covered, Mahomes would take off and run and get the first down. So it's like they kept giving up these like, you know, third and eight, third and tens. It's like you got to get off the field. You can't Mm -hmm. keep your defense on the field against this Chiefs offense. It's just not going to happen. So, I mean, it is something that the 49ers are definitely going to have to be careful of because, you know, I mean, obviously the 49ers don't have the pass rushing issue that the Titans have. The 49ers have a lot of guys that can get after the passers. So, but, you know, Mahomes is obviously a much more mobile guy than Ryan Tannehill is. So, I mean, we'll see how that goes. But, I mean, the thing for the Titans, I, I do agree with you, Zach, that they got away from Derrick Henry too early. But still, though, I mean, even though they got away from him, he he still carried the ball like 20-plus times in that game and only got around 70 yards. So, you know, when your workhorse is, you know, carrying the ball 20 times and he's not over 100 yards, that's never mm-hmm. a good sign. And... I think the Titans just needed to diversify their playbook a little more. It's like the Chiefs knew exactly what they were doing. It was mm-hmm. either a run play to Derrick Henry or a play action. And, you know, you start running that play action enough and you're not having as much success in the running game, you're not going to fool anybody. You know, it was working when Derrick Henry was running for 180 yards in the game because, you know, that running the ball was a real threat. Mm-hmm. But when he's only running for around 60 yards you know, you're not going to fool people as easily with that play action pass. So, you know, maybe they needed to, I mean, Brian Tannehill, he's not, 
it seems like the Titans tried to baby him too much, in my opinion. <laughs> like he's not he's not a you know a first year quarterback. He's not you know a Tyrod Taylor type quarterback where he's not supposed to be a game manager. When he was in Miami, he did some pretty good things for Miami. Not just managing the game because you know what kinds of weapons did they have for him? Tannehill had to make the plays and make the throws. So I think trying to run this like super conservative playbook was just not in their favor. And who, I think another thing they probably should have done, I saw this once in the game. I don't know if it happened at all after I turned the game off, but like, you know, they brought Marcus Mariota in for a play. Mm-hmm. One time. I don't maybe try that. You know, Marcus Mariota's a, he can run the ball, maybe try some option plays or something like that to, you know, give Derrick Henry some more, a more ability to, you know, get a running start that's not getting tackled in the backfield. So, just a very vanilla base offense that the Titans were running. And, you know, the Chiefs figured it out. You know, the Ravens couldn't figure it out. The Patriots couldn't figure it out. But when you have, you know, two or three games to recap and look at, it becomes a lot easier to stop a, you know, vanilla offense, mm-hmm. even though it's been working in the past. So, um, but yeah, the Chiefs defense definitely still has holes. I mean, they're definitely not up to the level that San Francisco is up to. So, um, but their offense is just my, I mean, this might be stretching a little bit, but in my mind, their offense is just miles beyond San Francisco's offense. I mean, because if the, cause if you, cause at least with San Francisco, from what's been evident, if they can, if Kansas city can stop the run, then I think San Francisco's in trouble. Whereas if the chiefs, if San Francisco starts stopping Patrick Mahomes, well, then they have Damian Williams if they start stopping Travis Kelsey while well, they have Tyree kill, you know, they've got all these other, a lot more pieces that you have to contain. It's not just one person. Whereas like with the Titans, again, it was one person. It was, you stop Derrick Henry, you beat the Titans. Yeah. So um, that was my take on the game. And yeah, I mean, I, I, I was kind of defending Eric, like, you know, anything can happen there at the end of the game. So like, I wasn't ready to 100% say the chiefs were going to win, but I mean, you know, when you're down by that much and you're playing in Arrowhead, it's very, very, very unlikely, especially yeah. for the way, like, you know, you were saying the Titans style of play. If it was like the Chiefs were down by that much in that scenario, mm-hmm. then yeah, I would definitely say they could do it because, you know, just how explosive their offense is. But with the Titans, it's just, eh, you know, yeah. There's, yeah, there's still a chance. But is there really much of a chance? Like, you know, very little, very mm-hmm. small. So, Nate, what did you what did you see watching this? Um, kind of, I'm honestly, I'm really on the same page as like Connor here. I, what I saw mostly was, I mean, I give the Titans a lot of credit for the way they turned things around this year. I think they finally figured out how to use Derrick Henry after the past mm-hmm. few seasons is they figure out just, you know, sit back and feed him and let him do his thing and get stronger as the game goes on and don't, you know, have your quarterback have to try and do too much. And I think Kansas City kind of just exposed sort of the flaw in that, that it's just a little bit too one-dimensional. Um, I think they they had their plan coming in, and it worked great against the Patriots and the uh, Ravens past two weeks. But when Kansas City came out and really um, put all their effort into to shutting down Derrick Henry, they didn't really have a backup to go to because it was all either, you know, give him the ball on a handoff and then, uh, go to play action pass and get him on a big play down the field. And there were a few looks that the Titans missed on. They had um, 
I think it was like their backup tight end or something. It was, it was like a bigger, like kind of slower, like white guy, but he got mm-hmm. way open down the field. <laughs> and you know, I don't know if you guys remember the play, but like it could have been like a 60 yard touchdown if it was, you know, a real wide receiver, but he um, was a couple steps, you know, out in front of him. He couldn't make the play, but I mean, they had their shots to um, definitely put up the points needed. But I think the play calling, like, I'll definitely agree with Connor here. The play calling was definitely too um, conservative, I think. And not in that situation, I I still don't think you should totally go away from Henry, especially the way he's been playing the past few weeks. Um, I think they still should try to give him the ball. And what I saw a lack of was um, the screen passes to Henry. Like, they went for... They ran some screens to Deion Lewis. Like I saw them kind of bring him in the game once they got down, which I think was a mistake because he hasn't done anything in yeah. a whole year. Like they should have brought out. I, I mean, what I would have wanted to see more of was have, keep Henry in the game and give get him involved in the screen game because he's been deadly on the screen passes too as well in the past. You know, he had a like 90 yard or something like week one or whatever. I don't, I don't remember the exact situation but he I mean give him the ball in space and once he gets moving he's a big guy he's gonna break you know he's not going down in the first hit so like get him some space start rumbling and all that you know I think for them it was just hard to like when their plan a got shut down they didn't have a plan b to go to but just that's mostly what I saw and kind of again to echo Connor like Mahomes was playing I think on a different level like yesterday like he made some great throws and the mobility definitely is an underrated aspect of his like he doesn't run a whole lot because he doesn't have to you know he can fling the ball to Tyreek Hill or Sammy Watkins or Kelsey or whoever but when he needs to run or get some space in the pocket he's probably as good as anybody besides um Jackson or uh, Russell Wilson just in terms of those guys have better like top end speed like as far as gaining yards and stuff but he's I think he's as mobile as pretty much anybody else out there, which is another advantage. I know we'll do the whole Super Bowl preview, but against the 49ers next week, that'll or two weeks from now, that'll be a big um, advantage trying to deal with that pass rush. So, um, yeah, kind of not going to talk too long because you guys kind of you know made most of the good points, but yeah, I'm kind of on on the same page there. Okay. I yeah. By the way, I was just looking up. Uh, how many times he Derrick Henry got the ball in the fourth quarter? He only had four rush attempts in the fourth quarter, so they completely got away. I know that they were behind and all, but to only have four rush attempts for an entire quarter, I mean, he gets better as the game goes on. So that's that's where I think they messed up. But we'll move on from that now. And by the way, I'm not complaining either. <laughs> That'd be very quick. Yeah. I, I, I was happy with that. I with saw that. that. <laughs> yeah. So I just want to look back quickly here for Connor and myself. We were on the Collier and Claire Sports Show last week making our predictions about these two games. So, I mean, I was obviously 2-0. and Connor went 1-1 one and one with the game predictions. But the one that really stuck out to me, and I, and I tweeted this when it happened, was – hold on, i got to – delete that <laughs> uh but the the thing that stood out to me that i think i got wrong was aaron Rodgers having to be great 
I remember I said, no, he doesn't have to be great as long as, like, if San Francisco beats themselves, he doesn't have to be great. But, boy, was I wrong about that because I think he would have had to have been great times two to for them to win that game. Oh, yeah. Uh, so that The rest of the team was horrible in that yeah, game. The, the rest of the team was horrible. Um, and then from the Titans and Chiefs, I think I got it right about Henry because – I might not have said it on the air, but I I did tweet about it before the games started. I said Derrick Henry's going to have under 100 yards rushing. Um, but then my my other prediction for the San Francisco game was that George Kittle would lead all players in the game in yards. That was obviously way wrong. But <laughs> but, the, but the Derrick Henry one was right. So that was um those were my kind of like bold and overall predictions from the games. So I, I was a mix. You know, like I usually am. But Connor, what uh, what do you think you said from that episode that came true or didn't come true? Well, I mean, you know, obviously I predicted the Packers to win, which I mean, when I look back on that, it, I was thinking in my head, like, why did I pick the Packers to win that game? Like, you know, like I I think I was just kind of like semi believing that maybe they had a chance with Aaron Rodgers, but like, yeah. Then I was, you know, as the game was going on, I'm like, yeah, that was just I should not have picked them, but oh well, you know. Mm-hmm. I can't go back on it now, but yeah. I mean, yeah, I mean, I was, I thought I was, I was wrong about Derrick Henry actually, because I thought that Derrick Henry was going to be, I thought that it was going to be Tannehill that was going to bring down the Titans because I thought like, you know, okay, the chiefs have like, you know, out of the three defenses that Derrick Henry has faced, this is by far the worst, you know, when you're looking mm-hmm. at the Patriots, Ravens and chiefs. Um, and then I don't know. I mean, I think, that was really it. It was just those two things. Cause I mean, I, I knew Jimmy G wasn't going to throw the ball at all. I knew right from the start that the way that the 49ers were going to win the game, if they won was, it was going to be running the ball and defense. And sure enough, that was exactly how it happened. You know, 250 plus yards of running the ball and, you know, and their defense. So I think I got that part right, but obviously I got the Packers way wrong. And then even though I said that Derek Henry was going to have a big game, I still picked the chiefs to win the game. So I got that right. I was still rolling with the Chiefs. So, yeah. Um, I was like, their offense is just too good. And obviously playing in Arrowhead is one of the most difficult locations in the league to mm-hmm. play. So, um, but yeah, I mean, it was a lot of fun being on the show with them. I know Natasha's upset about the Packers not winning. She thought she was going to be hosting a Super Bowl party, but. Oh, yeah, I remember that. <laughs> yes, that's probably not going to happen now. Sorry, Natasha. But, you know, hopefully uh-huh. you'll still have fun you know possibly rooting for the chiefs to beat the 49ers in the yeah I, I would i'd be guessing she's gonna be rooting for the chiefs oh yeah um, whenever your team gets eliminated unless like yeah. it's your rival and yeah Bowl, you never want to root for the team that eliminated you so exactly, exactly. I was saying, unless it was like you know i mean and for an nfc team right it's like you know just root for the afc team mm-hmm. yeah so that yeah I, I agree man that was that was a fun episode uh to be a part of it i Definitely thought um, being on it, it was fast paced, man. Like, and I, I talked to you after the episode. Like, that episode was moving. <laughs> like, it was oh, like boom, yeah. boom, boom. Like, there was four of us, yeah. and we, we talked about so much stuff, and it was only like forty-five minutes or fifty minutes. Like, man, yeah. like <laughs> that was that was the biggest difference from our show. I think we're more, uh, you know, we we have time. Like, we take our time talking about things more more so than on that show but <laughs> i mean <laughs> you agree <laughs> yeah i mean it's just like we're we're more maybe we just are more you know we ramble on longer i'm not sure yeah i yeah that's, that's they were uh i mean it was 
I like it was really good how they did that because I know we've had issues in the past when we've had like all of us on the show. It's like, okay, how are we gonna um, do this? You know, how are we gonna budget the time? But mm-hmm. they did a really amazing job budgeting the time really well. I was yeah. really surprised at how that worked. So I mean, yeah, kudos to them for you know four people in the episode and yet it was only 45 minutes long because there have been episodes that you and eric and i have been in like just the three of us that have been yeah. like an hour and a half to two hours so yeah um, we, yeah, no, we, yeah it was a lot of fun i mean i'm looking forward to hopefully maybe going back on the show again and hopefully having uh stacy and hopefully natasha this time on our show in the future yeah, yeah and hopefully nate we will get you to be a part of one of these guest episodes eventually i, I know you haven't been in one yet but You'll yeah. be in one eventually, man. So stay tuned. It, it's a lot of fun being with For being sure. with some new people that you've never talked to before, and and just talking about sports. It's uh, it's a different experience. But uh, yeah. And then of course that we had our cameras on too and everything, so it was it was quite oh, a bit yeah. different. You can see <laughs> so, our, our pretty mugs. I, <laughs> yeah. I was kind of, I, kind of forgotten about that. I would have waited to shave my beard until after that uh, episode had happened, but I forgot about. It. I was like, oh crap! I would have like wanted to keep my beard. I, I look better with my beard than I do shaved. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So we'll get now. Like I said, we're going to talk about each team individually. So I, I came up with just a couple of points for the team. So what's next for the Titans? In my mind, honestly, they're going to be back to nine and seven. <laughs> Maybe they'll be a wild card next year. Maybe they won't, depending on how the how the rest of the AFC teams do. I mean, they they're the kind of team that can win in the playoffs. So I know two years ago, back when my Jaguars were in the playoffs, they were also in the playoffs and they won a game. They won a wild card game as well against uh, Kansas City. So they're definitely a playoff threat if they get there. But as far as the regular season goes, I mean they people forget this but this season they got shut out by the broncos and i think that was the joe flacco broncos too uh so (laughs) they they're nine (laughs) and seven they're nine and seven until they prove otherwise in my opinion but the big thing is gonna be tanny hill and derrick henry their contracts and this is what i think I'm, i'm happy for as a jags fan because Derrick Henry, obviously, they're going to have to give him, like, Todd Gurley money to keep him. So I, I always love it when teams give a running back a big contract because running backs' uh, shelf lives are so, so small. And also, they're going to have to make a decision on Tannehill. And I think for the course of the season, I think he's earned a contract. And I, I think, you know, with quarterbacks, they usually get big contracts. So he, I think it's very possible he gets a Nick Foles type of contract from the Titans. And start, I'm start being yeah. Sam Bradford and like, yeah, like one year contract. Yeah. <laughs> so I, I, and I don't know if he's worth it either. I, I still am not a Tannehill fan. I know the stats were okay, but like you said, it, it's all because of the play action with the threat of Derrick Henry. Imagine when you take him away, you get what happened in this game against a, a not great defense either. Kansas City is not known for having a great defense, so that's what I think's in store for the Titans. But they they could be back in the playoffs. They might not, but I don't see this. Um, I know Dan Peeves retired today, but they've been switching through coordinators on offense and defense a lot in the past couple of years. So I'm not sure that's going to be a big big thing for them. But th- that's what I think is going to be next for them. Uh, Connor, what do you think? 
Um, yeah, I mean, definitely, obviously, uh, I got it wrong at the start of the season when I said they were going to be last place in the AFC South. But, I mean, it's going to be interesting to see what they do because, I mean, I know this didn't happen this year, but I said it at the start of the season that inevitably Tannehill slash Mariota is going like, to – I don't think Mariota is going to be back. I think they're going to let him go. Mm-hmm. But inevitably – Tannehill is probably going to get hurt. I mean, he's we've seen it in the past, like how many times he's been injured. And it's just like, I don't see that changing. I mean, especially when he's getting older like this. So, um, I mean, and the regular season, I mean, is and I think for them, the key is going to be how the rest of the AFC South progresses. Because obviously, we don't see, I see Houston having, you know, a lot more success in the future. I don't think they're going to fall off the map anytime soon, um, as long as they've got all those young players on the team. But, you know, what if the Jaguars start coming along? What if the Colts start refining their magic? Then what's going to happen? Because, I mean, the Jaguars are a young team that are trying to come in through the ranks. And I think, you know, like you guys mentioned in before, like getting rid of Tom Coughlin was the mm-hmm. right move. So, oh, hopefully, yeah. you know, with him gone, who knows? Maybe they could return to that form that they had in 2017, and that's going to really hurt the Titans. So I don't think – I do think there's definitely room for them to make the playoffs in the future, but – I don't see any real long-term success for them until they can find a new quarterback that's going to really mm-hmm. you know, be there for a long time. Because I don't see Tannehill being around any longer than maybe one or two more seasons before, you know, and I'm assuming at least if not this season, next season, they're probably going to try and draft a successor to Ryan Tannehill. So um, we'll see how it goes. But yeah, like I can see them making the playoffs again, but I don't see them any, any real long-term success for them in the future. Okay. Nate, what do you think? I'm with Connor here. I think they can be good next year. Um, especially to keep, they come out with the same, like focus. They did these playoffs and really like, um, kind of feed Henry and keep that offense. Like they had this past season, but at the same time, I think, Kansas City might have kind of presented some of a blueprint against that. So I'm hesitant to say they're going to be a real contender next year. I think there's definitely a blueprint that exists now um, for stopping this offense since it is so one-dimensional. If teams can figure out how to do that, I think Titans will be in some trouble. Uh, I think they definitely have the talent to uh, compete and possibly make the playoffs, depending on how good the rest of the AFC South is next year. Um, obviously, the Jaguars take a step forward, then they're probably the third-best team in the South. So that might be an uphill battle. But I'm definitely with Connor here. I don't see like long-term success either, just with the way that... Um, you know, I don't think Tannehill... I mean, he's definitely got the talent, but I still haven't seen enough from him to say he's a true like franchise quarterback. And... I think Derrick Henry is also a monster, but if you uh, focus your entire offense around him and make him your workhorse, that could definitely take a pounding. And he hasn't really been injured too much in his career so far, but you know if he does get a couple injuries, I think that's going to be um, tough for this team as well. I don't know where they would go um, if he did, if, especially if he had a serious injury next season. I don't know what they do offensively because. They don't have anyone else at running back. I don't think Deion Lewis is going to come back next year. Um, and you've seen their passing game is very up and down. So I think, kind of to summarize, I think Titans can be 
good. They can make the playoffs next year, possibly. I definitely can see that, but I can also see them being um, pretty bad, you know, conversely. And I don't see, you know, really long-term uh, contention in their future. Okay. Interesting there. So now the next question, we're going to talk about the Chiefs, and I want to talk about Patrick Mahomes. I've been hearing a lot this week, or not this week, but today after the AFC Championship, that he's on a fast track to becoming a GOAT or at least like an all-time great. So, what? I mean, he's only, he's very young, obviously. This is only his second season of playing since he sat out his rookie season. But in my opinion, I am going to, I'm going to buy into the hype here and I'm going to say, yes, he is on the fast track to being on the being a GOAT or the greatest, uh, an all-time great, because he's got a brilliant offensive coach in Andy Reid, and I think that's really critical because a lot of times you see really good quarterbacks. That There's a lot of really good quarterbacks, you know, like the Rivers and um, I think Roethlisberger, Stafford even to an extent. Um, Prescott, I think, can be in that range. Uh, but... The thing that I think is keeping them, those quarterbacks, from becoming like goats is having a great offensive mind as a head coach or offensive coordinator. And obviously, it's better to be a head coach because you're going to be with that team and not go be a head coach somewhere else. So the fact that Andy Reid is still with the Chiefs, I think as long as he's there, I expect Mahomes to still be great. And another thing about Mahomes, too, is he's. He can, I think he has the ability to keep this type of production longer in his career. So unlike someone like Lamar Jackson, who you expect to regress rushing the football as he ages, I think Mahomes can stay consistent with his throw power and with his uh, passing yards since he's not known for being a running quarterback. So I think with those two things in mind, I, I'm going to have to buy into the hype here, guys, and, and say he's fast-tracked to becoming a GOAT. What do you guys think, Connor? I mean, I think that he could be it. I mean, I didn't really believe that he was going to keep up the success this year. Like, I thought he'd still have success, but, you know, I didn't think it would be nearly to the level that he's had so far. I mean, really, the only thing that kept him out of the MVP conversation were those, like, three or four games that he missed due to injury. Other than that, I mean, he's probably, like, the next in line behind Lamar Jackson for the MVP because Russell Wilson really fell off. So, Mm -hmm. I mean, it's one of those things that, I yeah, I believe he can keep it up. I don't think he's going to stop. I think, um, now, the question for me is that I do agree that um, having a, like, key offensive mind like that is really essential for like developing a young player's career and like you know becoming a goat quarterback my only concern for him is that how often is that going to lead to i want to say like playoff and super bowl success Mm -hmm. because we've seen it time and time again where it's not the offense that carries the team to the super bowl but it's the defense and it's having that defensive minded head coach a guy like bill belichick or pete carroll or mike tomlin or somebody like that that is what puts you over the top because you can have a great offense all you want. If you're giving up a lot of points, then, um, you know, then I think that's it. Whereas, whereas, and I'm not, I'm one of those people. I don't think championships are everything, but obviously when you're going to start trying to compare him to like, you know, Mm -hmm. to Peyton Manning, Joe Montana, Tom Brady, 
you know, he's going to have to get some Super Bowls under his belt. And who knows? Maybe he can get his first one this year. Yeah. But, you know, we well, don't know. That, that brings up a really good point. So I'll ask you this question. Do you see his career going more like Tom Brady with the rings and everything? Or do you see it more going like Aaron Rodgers with the MVPs and the stats and everything? Like, are you leaning towards the Aaron Rodgers track for him? Well, I'll take it one step further than Aaron Rodgers. I see him taking the Peyton Manning step, the Peyton, okay. Manning, or Drew, the Peyton Manning or Drew Brees path, where he's going to be putting up. I feel like he's going to be putting up big numbers his whole career. I just don't think, you know, it's going to he's not going to have the championships that mm-hmm. Tom Brady has. I mean, obviously, you know, we always like to laugh about the joke in the NFL is like Andy Reid is a head coach. Like, you know, he always <laughs> had all this regular season success. He, you know has this one of the always has like one of the top offenses in the league, but then can never win the big one. So, mm-hmm. I mean, do I, do I think he'll at least get one or two Super Bowl? Sure. But I don't know if he's going to be uh, the next goat in terms of championships, but if he can put up the numbers like Drew Brees and Peyton Manning, which I think he mm-hmm. can, then yeah, I'll buy into the hype. I think Patrick Mahomes can do it. I, I believe in him. I didn't believe in him last year, but he really proved me wrong this year. So I will, I will jump on the hype train with Zach. <laughs> okay. Nate, what do you do you think? Do you see him having I mean, I assume you don't think he's gonna fall off the map. So you think he's gonna go yeah. like like Brady and get like the five, maybe six or rings or something like that? Or do you see him going like, you know, Aaron Rodgers or Drew Brees and Manning with limited Super Bowl success, but like really great statistical he'll he'll be like at the leaderboards of a lot of stat categories when he retires. Yeah, I'm. I don't know. I'm kind of in a tough. I think somewhere in the middle, I guess. So I guess I would say Peyton Manning. He yeah, probably the best combination of stats and you know Super Bowls out of that group. Um, I don't think anybody will ever hit the Tom Brady like six rings mark mm-hmm. for a while, just because what he's done is like so unique in terms of like he's taken like less money to help oh, um, them put together a good team and you know, yeah, very to, smart <laughs> yeah i mean that's a big that's been a big help and they've always obviously had like a genius coach in terms of roster um construction so that definitely helps you know when not I me mean, definitely had a huge hand in winning the six super bowls like i definitely think it's a good like argument for brady's success i'm not gonna deny that but i don't know that i see pat mahomes um being able to be a beneficiary of that because I mean I don't know what you know his priorities are in terms of signing a contract like if he's if he's gonna want to sign like the richest you know extension ever in a couple years um he could well, easily he command might, like be after this season to answer that because he, he might he might get the biggest deal this off season with the Chiefs yeah oh really I, I thought it was still another year before he hit that well, well it'll I, be another year but then like they want to get the ball rolling oh yeah I know what you mean like do it early I guess yeah, I could I could see him getting like forty million a year easy. Like if they're considering giving Dak that, you know, what are they gonna give this <laughs> guy? That's, know that's, you know, he's gonna get crazy money. <laughs> yeah. So that's that's where the Super Bowl question comes in play for me because if he does sign an extension like that, like who are they gonna be able to put around them? Because they've got you know a top right now they've got a top two tight end in Kelsey. They've got an elite wide receiver in um, Tyreek Hill. They've got um, Sammy Watkins has been playing good, but he's going to be due for, I believe, some more money if he keeps playing up, you know, this way. So it's just like, I think for me, that's the biggest. I think he'll definitely okay. put the stats. Like, I think talent-wise, I think he's a better version of Aaron Rodgers, just in terms of, like, he's got the 
you know, insane arm strength to make throws that I don't know that anybody else really can make in the game right now. And he does have that mobility that I think, at least for the you know prime of his career, is going to be mobile and have a wicked arm. He can put up like 40-plus touchdowns a year. So I think the stats, regardless, will be there. And Super Bowls, I think, you know, I think he'll win this one, not to get in my total picks yet. Okay. <laughs> but he's got a shot. In two yeah, he definitely has a shot. Have one, you know. To have an MVP and a Super Bowl potentially at his age, like that's, I think he's definitely headed for GOAT territory if he keeps it up. Okay. So now we'll get on to the two NFC teams here, and we'll start with Green Bay. Are Green Bay, uh, are the Green Bay Packers frauds? I've seen this going around a lot on Twitter. All the fans are saying, no, no, they're not frauds. But my my take is that they are frauds because when you look at their schedule, uh, so many one-score games, we know uh, from the NFL history patterns that these one-score games are not conducive to replicating themselves year to year. So it's not like, oh, you're, you're just a team that wins these close games. Usually that's that changes every other year. So that's one reason I think they're frauds. Another, their schedule. They, you know, when you look at their 13-3 and record, they beat the Chiefs without Mahomes. The refs cost the Lions in that game, and that the final game, the Lions really cost themselves. Um, they, their other losses, they lost badly to the 49ers and uh, 49ers and Chargers, and they never had to play the Saints either. So the teams that they only beat, they they beat up on the Vikings and Seahawks, uh, which I'll give them credit for those three wins. But other than that. Still, I think, a worthy playoff team, but by no means were they deserving, I think, of the number two seed. Like, if this was a college football playoff committee making these rankings, they wouldn't have gotten the two seed, in my opinion. And we all really discounted them in the playoffs, and I I think it's rightfully so because this team just – this roster just isn't as good as uh, some other rosters. I think even the Cowboys roster – is just as good as this team, and they didn't make the playoffs. So that I, I do think Green Bay were frauds uh, this whole season. What do you guys think? Yeah, I mean, I I think they were. I mean, it's the reason why I picked them to, you know, I, I picked them to lose in their first round of the playoffs, you know, and uh, when they were playing, well, I picked it at the beginning when I had them, you know, going against the Seahawks, and I picked the Seahawks, or not the Seahawks, the Saints to beat them. But even when we made our picks for, like, the Seahawks versus the Packers, I picked the Seahawks mm-hmm. to do things. I didn't think they were going to do it. And honestly, they did win that game under some kind of questionable yeah, circumstances. Yeah, it was, so, yeah. um, I mean, I think it all started, like, right from the beginning of the season. The hype train started, you know, when they beat the Bears. Because everybody thought the Bears mm-hmm. were going to be this, like, you know, juggernaut of a team. You know, they had this great defense and blah, 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 blah. Well, then they went and beat the Bears, and everybody thought, oh, well, this Packers team, like, they got the defense. And I mean, I know the offense didn't do very well, but they have Aaron Rodgers, so they'll be okay. And, I mean, it's definitely probably, like, the worst 13-3 and I've ever seen in the history of the league. Um, like, when I look back on their record, I was like, wow, they went 13-3? and Like, but they played so bad. Like, how did they yeah. actually get to that? So, um, yeah, I mean, and I still think that, you know, I do think they should have made the playoffs for sure. I mean, I'm not going to discount them there, but um, I definitely think 
you know, maybe the Vikings were probably deserving more of that division crown than the Packers were, especially considering you want to, you look at the, how the way they played against the 49ers, like neither team played great, but at least the Vikings didn't allow Raheem Mostert to run for 220 <laughs> yards. Like, yeah. So, um, and yeah, like I said, I, I agree. I think they were frauds. I don't think they deserve to be in that game against the 49ers. I think it definitely should have belonged to someone like Seattle or New Orleans. Yeah, I'd, I'm kind of on the same page here. There, I mean, what you said about being the worst 13 and three team—that's kind of what I thought the whole time watching this game. Like, how are these guys really 13 and three in the NFL? And I think when you do look back at their schedule, like, like with Zach, they really didn't play um, the toughest schedule out there. And there's some games they definitely kind of scraped by that they definitely could have, you know, easily lost. Um, I didn't give them too much. Um, uh, credit coming into the postseason. Uh, I had them losing first round as well. Yeah. Um, I had the Saints beating them in the first round, which obviously didn't have that matchup. Maybe they would have lost that game. Um, but yeah, outside of really Aaron Jones and um, Aaron Rodgers, there wasn't too many positives uh, from this team yesterday. So yeah, I, I think they're. I think the fraud label is definitely. Um, deserved in the situation. Okay. <laughs> Green, I know Green Bay Twitter is gonna gonna blow us up <laughs> if they hear this, but I mean that like this, this is just what we think, uh, that's, guys. That's you know, the yeah. Indiana, the state of Indiana already hates Nate, so. Oh yeah. <laughs> well, what about Wisconsin too? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I don't. I don't. I have the Midwest here hate list uh, there. <laughs> um, that that's pretty funny, but. We'll move on now to the final discussion. So we're going to talk about the 49ers and Richard Sherman. And this wasn't really a in-the-game sort of thing, but after the game, him and Darrell Rivas exchanged a bunch, of, a bunch of tweets. I think Rivas started it by saying, like, oh, you're going to actually have to cover next week, and, you know, you didn't, you, you weren't great, that great and everything. Like, you, because you don't travel and take the team's best receiver, you're not, uh, you're not all that. And then Sherman piped back like, yeah, well, you haven't been to a Super Bowl and all this stuff. And like he was just basically saying how how much better he was. And basically, it's just a whole bunch of beef going on between these two guys. But um, I'm curious to hear what side you guys are going to take on this uh, stance. And personally, I'm I think I'm on Sherman's side just because, yeah, he doesn't travel to the best receiver, but he does what his scheme is asked of him to stay on uh, that zone scheme to stay on the side of the field. And I've heard DB's talk like it's, yeah, they're, they both have their challenges. They both have their, you know, levels of difficulty. And I think man to man is definitely more difficult, but still he, he's at, he's elite at what he does and teams rarely ever throw to his side of the field. And I always think personally, if I was, like a, running a team, I would want my best corner to be matched up against the second best receiver and then double the team's best receiver, assuming that their best receiver is like a elite receiver, someone like a Mike Evans or DeAndre Hopkins or Michael Thomas, one of those kind of guys. I think it's beneficial to double them and then put your number one corner on their second option, but which is kind of what ends up happening with, uh, re, with uh, Sherman. But I, I just think, you know, Revis was a little bit out of line here by bringing this up. I mean, the 49ers, you know, dismantled them, the Packers. So there's nothing 
I don't think Sherman really. I I just don't see why he needed to say this. You know, that's why I'm going to take Sherman's side on this. I think it was kind of unnecessary. These two have had beef their whole career, so I'm not surprised by it. But curious to see what what side you guys take on if you were to take a side with this. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I'm. I mean, I'm one of those people that I've never really respected Richard Sherman as much as maybe some other people because of the reason why he doesn't travel. You know, I respect those man-to-man coverage guys like Darrell Rivas or Patrick Peterson, those guys that can follow the receiver and still have great success, you know. But, I mean, I still will take Richard Sherman's side on this because obviously, like, even though Darrell Rivas has called him, like, you know, a fraud and everything and that he's not as good as he seems, like, he still has pretty well proved himself as a shutdown corner. Like, people don't even throw to his side of the field. Even if that's their number two receiver, like, they still just don't even throw over there. So, and again, like, you know, he's been, he was the anchor for that Seahawks defense, you know, at the in the early uh, 2010s, like, you know, 2013, 2014. The Legion of Boom, that was his team. I mean, you know, Earl Thomas and Cam Chancellor are great, too. But it definitely wouldn't have been the same without Richard Sherman. So, um, I mean, maybe if, like, you know, he hadn't because I think one of the things that a lot of people don't think about with Sherman, they think he's, you know, this great corner. He didn't really have very inspiring years the past two years when he started with the 49ers. It was really this year he kind of came back and like reestablished himself as like, you know, one of the best corners in the league. So I think maybe if we were talking around then, I would, you know, I still really probably wouldn't take Darrell Rivas' side. I would just see his point a little bit more. Mm-hmm. But. Um, yeah, I definitely am with Zach. I think that was out of line, and I would take Richard Sherman's side on this because I think the success speaks for itself, even though, like I said, I'm with Revis as I don't respect him as much. But yeah. it's, you know, I can't argue against his stats, and it was just completely unnecessary by Darrell Revis. I think I'm, I'm definitely with both of you guys on this one. I think it was just totally, like, uncalled for just to, you know, be sitting there and – Put out a tweet like that kind of tell you know I think that's kind of like a sign of insecurity on Reeves' part like you know you've been retired for how many years you got to come out and like put this guy down you know as he's you know taking helping to take his team to the Super Bowl I think that was definitely unnecessary um I think I was never a fan of Sherman's just because you know the way he um was always so like loud and trash talking and all that stuff you know managed the Seahawks. But in recent years, I've kind of become more of. Um, I definitely just respect his game a lot more. He does he does play zone, which is what you know Revis was trying to call him out on. Like he usually doesn't uh, cover receiver all across the field. But in my opinion, I don't know that you need to do that necessarily to be a great corner. I mean, he you know maybe he only plays one side of the field, but I think for most of his career, he hasn't been able to lock that side down. Like you quarterbacks don't go to his side of the field like regardless of what receiver ends up over there so I mean there is something to be said for being able to you know shadow the elite receivers like what Revis was able to do for you know the prime of his career but I think when you see the guys that do that you know they get top corner in the league like billing for a little bit but I don't know that there's really anybody um been able to do that for an entire career you know like Ramsey was kind of that for a little bit um he locked down Hopkins a few times and got a whole lot of credit for it but then he went to the Rams and he hasn't been the same even last you know year year and a half he wasn't mm-hmm. the same um trying to do that and we've had other guys like um 
kind of that same kind of mold over the past few years that, oh, they're the best corner in the league, and then the next, you know, year after that, it's a new guy, and yeah, I don't know. I think I think Sherman, like, to have the nine-year career that he has, and he had a down year last year, I would definitely agree with that, but I think he's a super smart player, like, the kind of film he watches. Um, I think, you know, the way he goes out and shuts down half the field, like, there's definitely something to be said for that, regardless of um, if the best receiver is always on that side. So I'm I'm gonna give Sherman his credit. I think he's um, obviously definitely like Hall of Fame worthy. I don't I wouldn't say he's best corner ever. I still think there's something to be said for Revis in his prime, and obviously going back to Deion Sanders, they definitely have an argument as well. But um, yeah, I think uh, definitely uncalled for. I think Sherman definitely. Um, was you know right in this? I'll I'll definitely take his side in this argument. So, okay, definitely kind of a weird situation all around though. Yeah, yeah. It it reminds me sometimes too. You see in the NBA when there's like former players taking shots at other players uh, that are they're not in the game anymore. So it's like there's no real consequence for Revis because it's not like you know the 49ers aren't gonna play like the Jets and they're not gonna right. use as motivation. So it's like you can just kind of bully people and say whatever you want, but <laughs> uh, we're getting, we're getting to an hour here in this episode guys. So we'll wrap this up, but uh, yeah, the, we got this. Uh, this is going to be the only episode put out for the week on Thursday. We're going to do an episode with Aaron swarm and something like a podcast. So stay tuned for that. We'll be providing links and information for that episode as well. But as far as clutching sports, this will be it for this week. We'll be back next week. And like I said, that Super Bowl episode will be coming up, so stay tuned for that. That's going to be all about the Super Bowl. It'll be a lot of fun. Um, so, yeah. Thanks, guys, for listening, and peace out. Bye. See ya. For Eric, peace. <laughs>